0: Welcome to Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure. We are a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. Matt Robeson is the proprietor of Forum.com, a blog about politics, and he writes for the alternate, so he knows a lot about politics. And we talk about interesting issues mostly on the federal side. And today we are beyond pleased to welcome to the show my former colleague and one of my dear friends, Congressman Steve Cohen of Tennessee, a star in the House of Representatives, a light on the Judiciary Committee, a forward thinker, and a passionate defender of justice. Congressman Cohen, welcome to Off The Record.
1: Good to be with you, Paul, and it's always, it's always good to be with you. You were one of the stars of our class 2006, and we hated it when you left. We hoped you made it to the Senate, but the people in New Hampshire made a small error, and uh, we lost you for a while, but you're coming back.
0: Coming back strong. So, so we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start at a high level and drill down. You filed an impeachment resolution uh, naming the Attorney General, Mr. Barr, Uh, as the object of the impeachment. You said that Barr has taken deliberate actions that violate the rights of the American people, assault the principle of the impartial administration of justice and undermine the constitutional structure of separation of powers across three co-equal branches of government. Before getting into what it was that Barr did and all of that, why are these fundamental problems? How should uh, voters and our listeners think about what you've alleged in terms of uh, the way it affects them and their lives.
1: Well, there's so many things that he's done that are really violent to the Constitution, in my opinion. But the thing that America is best known for when you travel the world is people respect the fact that we value the rule of law and that your, your freedom and your property and all the things that are determined by uh, the judicial system is determined by laws that are supposed to be interpreted fairly where everybody's equal uh, uh, in the eyes of the law and partial justice and uh, that's what America's been different that's why we fought a, a, a Revolutionary War and had a declaration of independence sort of 44 years ago to, uh, Saturday so that the, the king would not be the one that made all the decisions it'd be the law and and we've always had that and that's changing with Barr uh, what he did to step in on the a Flynn case and to suggest that the case should be dismissed after he'd already pled guilty to lying to uh, uh, Congress and other folks. Uh, it wasn't really Congress, but he, he, he lied to investigators. Uh, they don't do that. The, the Justice Department doesn't get involved, after, especially after a guilty plea, and come in and ask the case to be dismissed. And they can claim it's because they found some stuff. They didn't find anything. Um, they did that because they didn't want Trump to have to pardon the guy and Trump would have pardoned the guy and they were taking care of Trump's friend and doing Trump's dirty work. But th- that's never hardly, never happens. And we had some folks testify before the judiciary committee last week and they said, in there and it's unheard of that for that type of action to take place, to come in and ask after a after guilty plea has been accepted and offered for the justice department to come in and ask the case to be dismissed. And then they have, the, the case uh, uh, with with Roger Stone, where he got a, a sentencing guidelines, traditional sentencing guidelines so that set out in the code, and that's what was recommended. And then Barr came up and told the prosecutors, none of them would do it, that were on the case, to reduce it to under the sentencing guidelines uh, because he wanted to, Roger Stone was a friend of the president's, and they wanted to take care of the president. The president had tweeted something about it. He thought it was too harsh. Well, Next day, Barr said, "We want to reduce the sentence, even though it was within the guidelines." And it the, the, the thing's called the uh, Integrity and uh, Fraud and, and Integrity Unit of the Justice Department. One of their attorneys testified and said that in in the history uh, he's aware of his his, his knowledge, uh, there's never been a case to where they uh, they've come in and asked to go beneath the sentencing guidelines and where and, and the, the, the U.S. attorneys interfere in the case. So we're not seeing fair justice. This doesn't happen for any average citizen. The Justice Department doesn't come in and say, lesser sentence, drop the case. They're doing this for Trump. That's one area where the rule of law doesn't apply. With the Mueller report, which the Supreme Court said they're going to listen to the argument that the Judiciary Committee has made to see the unredacted Mueller report. They've said that we can see it uh, or they're going to have a hearing whether we see it or not, but it won't be till after the election. Uh, Mueller redacted that. Who knows what all he redacted. But before he released it, I mean, Barr, before Barr released it, he came out about a month, month and a half before his release, something like that, and said there was no, no, nothing in there about obstruction of justice. And that's not true. And we found that out. And he said that there was a, basically that Trump was clean, that there was no, 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 collusion or conspiracy. And and Buller said he couldn't find and prove collusion or conspiracy, but he saw hundreds of instances where the Trump campaign had contacts with the Russians. And Roger Stone's even more of that having contact not with the Russians per se, but with the fellow in England that was releasing all the material. And uh, there was other people had contact directly with the Russians. And there were lots of instances where there was a, uh, obstruction of justice, uh, but they couldn't, do it they couldn't bring a charge because the justice department's legal office uh uh had, had policies that you can't indict a sitting president so muller had said you can't indict a sitting president we follow uh the guidelines or the you know, rules of the justice department and it's up to congress to act which would be through impeachment he was basically putting it in our court and teeing it up for us uh the bar you know, told the American public about three weeks, a month in advance, there's nothing there, there's no obstruction of justice, and there was no collusion, and there's nothing there. That's not true. And even when he released it, he he made a statement about two or three hours before he released it and said the same thing again. So he misled the American public, and that's an abuse of power. He then, you know, uh, the other day, Lafayette Square, he ordered the, the Park Service to clean out all the demonstrators who were doing First Amendment activities protesting the president's uh, actions. That's American as apple pies in the First Amendment. And he had them put out of the park so the president could walk through and uh, have a photo op in front of the Episcopal Church there at uh, H Street, uh, opposite the uh, Hay Adams. And, and that that was an abridgment of people's First Amendment rights. It was just terrible. So Barr's done things over and over and over again. With Flint, with Stone, with Lafayette Park, uh, uh, things that have never been done in the Justice Department. And they always seem to be things to help Trump. And uh, I think that his law school, all the professors at George W. who went to law school, GW, have said, come out and said, what he's done has been appalling and that they want to, they suggest he should resign. And the New York bar has come out and a lot of lawyers, the former Justice Department lawyers, I think there's thousands have come out and said many of the things he's done are deserving of impeachment and or resignation he's just trampled over the constitution and claims he's doing it with some legal basis but that's you could believe him as much as you could believe Trump who you can believe as much as you can believe Putin
0: so let me you ask you as let oh. let me follow up with a kind of basic devil's advocate question that might come from from somebody you know ar- around me who's who's not deeply immersed in 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 good news, bad news, you know, it's all, it's all a mess to me, but he takes a look and, and he or she, that voter says, well, you know, Trump is president and the Senate did confirm uh, this attorney general and, and why, why shouldn't the attorney general be working with the president and doing what the president wants? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? I mean, after all, the, uh, the president appointed him and uh, why, why shouldn't he do what the president wants him to do?
1: Because lady justice is supposed to be blind. And that's what the rule of law is about, that everybody's treated impartially, impartial justice. And that hadn't happened with this plan. And, um, and even if you're the attorney general, you shouldn't be directing the park police to go in there with pellet guns and some type of gas and, and, and take peaceful protesters and, and take them out of what's America's traditional place of protest, Lafayette Park, and bully them out. So the president can walk and take a Bible and hold it in front of the, uh, uh, I think it's St. John's Episcopal Church, I think that's the name of the church, and for a photo opportunity. Uh, It's just not the things the Attorney General should do. He's broken about every norm. There are certain norms too in law. Law Law's based on precedent, based on tradition, and he's trampled on about every norm that's ever existed in the Justice Department. And uh, he's, he's made it to where he's the president's attorney. And the attorney general is supposed to be the people's attorney, not the president's attorney, no matter who appoints him. Uh, and, and that's just not what we've had here. We had a hearing last week or two week before in judiciary, and there were two attorneys that came to us. One was a man named Elias, and he was in the antitrust division. And he's testified that they had two cases in particular. We've learned of others. One concerning the marijuana industry in Colorado, and one concerning the automobile industry in California who are the bar told them to have a antitrust investigation of marijuana companies in Colorado. And yet the, the companies that usually do uh, antecedent work on cases like that and kind of clear them out and sh- say whether or not the statistics to show possible antitrust uh, uh, actions and, and harm to the consumers, uh, monopolistic effects that there's nothing here. There's, there's nothing here about monopoly in the marijuana business and consumers aren't gonna be hurt. But the word was, the guy on the fifth floor is what, the, what Mr. Elias told us, what he heard, that's the attorney general, doesn't like the marijuana business and he decided to mess with them and cost them millions of dollars and asking for all kind of documents that they never even looked at. They never even looked at them. And they said, we haven't looked at this, so you don't need to. It was all using the justice department as a, as a, 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 a vehicle to harass and intimidate a legitimate, legal business in Colorado. The same thing with the California automobile industry. There were four automobile manufacturers who were working with Governor Newsom to have exhaust uh, levels that were good for the environment in California, but less than what Trump had, had wanted to have. There were more what Obama wanted to have during the Obama era uh, uh, in, in pollution controls. Trump had those repealed, ironically, by this judge named Rayo, who was at the uh, OIRA, which is the Office of Intergovernmental Relations, and responsible for overseeing these regulations. He then appointed her to the District Court of Appeals uh, in, in D.C., and she was the first to pin the, the opinion last week or the week before, saying that uh, just Judge Thomas should be required, a mandamus in manda- mandamus him, to dismiss the, the, the Flynn case, even though he didn't think he should because he thought there wasn't good reason for it and that you need leave a for it. So it all kind of comes back together, but he Trump was mad at the, at the automobile manufacturers. And so Barr said, look into antitrust. And they same thing that the, the the folks in justice that look at these cases said, there's nothing here. Hmm. And then after the case that he went after Yahoo and Google, um, I guess it was not it was it was Google and Yahoo Google owns Yahoo and, 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 and or YouTube maybe it's YouTube but one of the, one of those uh, social media groups that he was upset with I think it's YouTube that they don't put enough conservatives on and he said the way you can get them if they don't put enough conservatives on is you can investigate them. and so he went after YouTube with an antitrust action or and/or Google their owner just to harass them and he said to this to the conservative crowd on Fox News this is the way that you could get action is by using the Justice Department this way, and that's just not the way justice should ever be used. He's using it as a cudgel, rather than a, 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 a instrument of, of compassion, justice, and uh, and, and fairness.
0: Well, this is Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM. We're talking with Congressman Steve Cohen, who has brought articles of impeachment against Attorney General Barr for the dark political malfeasance that has come to characterize the Attorney General and this White House. We're going to take a short break to hear from the good folks who keep us on the station, and uh, we'll be right back with more with Congressman Steve Cohen don't go away because you're getting the real inside scoop we'll be right back we're back It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson on WKXL AM and FM, streaming live over the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com, where you can find all our shows archived for your binge-listening pleasure. We are a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We're talking with our very special guest, Congressman Steve Cohen, who sits on the House Judiciary Committee and has brought in articles of impeachment against Attorney General Barr about what's really going on in D.C. I'll turn it over to Matt Robeson
2: for the next question. So, Congressman, I I want to go even broader here because you're painting a pretty frightening picture of an abuse of power and abuse of the third branch of, of our government uh, from the highest levels uh, of the executive, from the attorney general. And it feels like there's a fundamental reshaping of that whole third branch of government underway during the Trump administration that's amounting to a one-two punch. So you you laid out the Attorney General, interfering in the case of Michael Flynn. And then just last week, you get an order from the D.C. Circuit backing Barr up and written by a Trump appointee. You know, you, your impeachment resolution calls Barr out for undermining confidence, making false claims about voting by mail. And at the same time, you have federal courts packed with Trump appointees weighing in against state steps meant to make voting safer. So it, it feels like there, there is this combo action going at the whole Judiciary system are are you seeing the same thing? Are you seeing that connection there? And does it mean that Democrats are losing the battle right now to protect an independent judiciary?
1: Well, I think we're losing the battle because the president has the power in our system to make appointments of of, of, of judges, their lifetime appointments. Uh, Mitch McConnell did a great job of stymieing uh, President Obama in the last 14 or 15 months of his presidential term. He wasn't allowed to make a single one not a single one of his recommendations uh was brought to a vote in the senate uh to be a judge 14 months and he didn't get a vote For merrick garland's the main one the supreme court that was about maybe 10 months left in his term but i had the last judge who was on the list ed stanton uh the third in memphis who I'd recommended as a u.s attorney and had recommended him to be a federal district court judge in Memphis, which is not that big of a. I mean, it's important, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not like an appellate judge or a Supreme Court justice by far. And they cut him off, and he was not allowed to even get a hearing. He was recommended by the bar, he was approved by the two Tennessee state senators and uh, Alexander Corker. And Corker just told me I kept trying to get Ed uh, to get a, a, a vote, and he just said, Steve, it's not going to happen. McConnell's cutting them all off. That's at the district court judge level. So they did a great job on it. They appointed judges, uh, very conservative, but very young, who will be there for a long time. And uh, as long as they've got the presidency and they can make these appointments, there's not that much we can do. We need to win the election in November. So um, there are some Sorry, sort of go, that, you know, go ahead. There are judges like Judge Sullivan that were not appointed by Trump and, and are trying to give impartial justice. And some of the judges, who've been doing this have been appointed by Bush and are appointed by Republicans. And they've been aghast at what has gone on with Trump and and, and with Barr as well. It's not just uh, Obama appointed judges who've done this, but the Trump judges, and even then, it looked like Judge Henderson, who's one of the three judges on that panel, was gonna be okay, but then she flipped at the last minute with up and uh, and then the, the Senate was a two-one opinion uh, verdict, and, and then the one was a, was an Obama appointee so
0: um uh, congressman on on this show um matt matt's the smart guy and and I tend to ask the the dumb the dumb questions so let me ask um what what may be maybe a dumb question um, which is uh, kind of a political question the the political dimension of of what of what 's going on uh, here we are uh, something like hundred and twenty four days. From uh, an election, I can't, I don't know what the exact count is, but we're coming right down to the wire on a presidential election. Um, uh, Speaker Pelosi, whom you and I both uh, have worked with and who we admire and respect, um, looks like he's, he's taking the position that you know, really, do we need to be doing this? Let's get the election out of the way. Um, her subtext is, uh, hey. Uh, I was in the I was in the theater for this movie, and I uh, was hoping for a happy ending. But uh, everybody left in tears. Um, uh, do we really want to? Uh, is it time? it time for a sequel? On the other hand, um, it it you know the 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 passion that you have for upholding the rule of law is really important. Um, so doing things to hold Barr accountable. Uh, is the right thing to do to uphold the rule of law but is it worth doing this if it if we can't get to to the to the happy ending
1: well you know, that's a that's one of the positions that some people take and it was a faith based that I, there was a lot of resistance to what i did in leadership but i think that that you have a duty to do is right i'm the chairperson of the constitution Civil Rights and Civil Liberties Subcommittee of the Judiciary Committee of the House of Representatives. I think if I don't look out for the Constitution as the chair of the subcommittee on the Constitution, who is? It's my job, it's my duty. And, and just as Nancy Pelosi said after Trump was found to be not to have violated the Constitution in the Senate, uh, she said, Donald Trump, you're impeached for life. You're impeached forever. Well, he is impeached forever. it will always be on his, on his, on his record. Uh, having an impeachment resolution or referral to Judiciary Committee is not as grievous and as strong, but at least shows there was some action to object to what he was doing and we were not uh, simply allowing it to occur without bringing it to the fore and asking that there be uh, uh, hearings. And we'd like to have more hearings in Judiciary. And I think there will be hearings on Barr. He's going to appear before our committee allegedly on the 28th of July, although he refused to come when he was supposed to come March of 2019, he just didn't show up. That's when I called him chicken bar, uh, in that kind of a moment of, of levity. And uh, he may or may not show this time, who knows? You know, we're, we're out of uh, session. We're not gonna have session days until the 20th of July. He's not all that busy where he couldn't have come and appeared before the judiciary committee when we're having committee hearings, with What the committees of the house are gonna be meeting between now and the twentieth of, of, of July, uh and he could have come one of those times. He instead shows three days before we adjourn until after Labor Day, and a time in which when he's testifying, at some point it will be we'll have a recess, I feel confident, they have to go to vote. And the votes now because of the coronavirus, they're very slow. And normally what takes a 15 minute vote becomes a forty-five minute or an hour vote. And if we have two votes, say, or three votes at the time, instead of being an hour, it's three hours, uh, he'll pick up and leave. And he knew that. He played us like a, like a fiddle. And, and we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have accepted that. We should have said, we want you, but we can't have you during the time that we are having a session and having votes on the floor. Because with the coronavirus, uh, people come and vote in, in seven different tranches, and they're supposed to come up and vote and leave the floor, and it takes a while because we don't want people to congregate on the floor where they can expose others to the, to the virus. And uh, it's just cumbersome. And, and he, he's not going to stand around there and wait. And, and he did that intentionally, I'm sure, to say he would come but not come at a time when he could really give uh, the time that he should be giving to the Judiciary Committee. This is just another place where he's abusing his position and holding himself above the Congress, which is part of three branches of the government. He has the opinion that the, and it's a, a unitary executive and that the executive can do almost anything the executive wants and run the Justice Department. And uh, Trump has said, I'm the, ch- the chief law enforcement officer in this country. Uh, so we've been played. And, and I, didn't, I didn't like the, the fact that we accepted that the 28th, it will be not much of a hearing if he shows at all, but I'm sure at some point we will have to
2: adjourn for votes. Congressman, you're well known. I mean, you're a Democrat, but you're well known as someone that people get along with. And I'm sure you have conversations offline with your Republican colleagues. You were referring to uh, some discussions with Senator Cork earlier. Do you get a sense with all of this behavior that is just so far beyond the pale, so far outside the norms, as you said, do you get any sense from Republicans in private that they get it, that they're uncomfortable with all of the behavior we're seeing, the lawlessness we're seeing coming from the Attorney General of the United States? Or are you picking up the sense that your Republican colleagues have just gone too far around the bend politically to even see it? Well,
1: there are people that did see it. There are probably still some to do, but the people that did mostly have left the Congress. There was Charlie Dent from Pennsylvania, and he just got tired of it. He quit. Uh, A boy named Dave Trout, or Trot, Dave Trot from up in Michigan, a great guy. And he, he, he told me one. he took me, he said, I just can't, I can't be up here with this guy. And so a good Congressman, after I think two terms, maybe three, he, he, he didn't run for re-election as, uh, as Dent didn't. Uh, Peter King might've been, he's been up there maybe long enough, but he's quitting this term. Uh, Francis Rooney in Florida is a, a, a good Congressman and can of the conscience. Uh, he just, it's not what he expected. And I think he's, uh, Disappointed at the at the minimum, and how this president acts, and same thing for Manny Mitchell who's resigning, uh, not running for re-election uh, from 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 Michigan too. Uh, so the the people that have these feelings generally are not running for for a re-election and are getting out. Uh, the ones that are left are the ones that are either the most cowardice or have bought into this 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 Trumpian world and don't care about the Constitution, and and they're just Right in line with him. I saw today uh, Andy Biggs of Arizona said that that the coronavirus task force should be uh, just disbanded just because uh, Dr. Burks and uh, Dr. Fauci are saying things that are not consistent with and supportive of the president's message of getting the economy going and putting science and medicine uh, and the public's health uh, in, in the way of his efforts to get the economy moving and the stock market up and, and his reelection. And so he wants to disband the coronavirus task force, basically saying that these deaths are irrelevant and people should die so that Trump stays in office. I mean, it's unbelievable, 120,000 deaths and we're gonna have tens of thousands more. And, and, and all they care about is Trump getting elected again and the people are, their lives are just irrelevant. They are just, uh, what's a collateral damage? It's amazing what's going on in our country. I'm very, very frightened about it. it, it we, John Bolton, nobody I, I think much of, a coward who didn't uh, put money before principal and didn't appear before the House Judiciary Committee when asked, and he could have told us about some of the things and testified, but he wanted to have it in his book and make money. Uh, you know, he said that the, we didn't do impeachment right, he said the Democrats had these other instances where Trump was trying to get China to buy product from farmers to help him get reelected and was asking uh, PGG to uh, buy this uh, different farm crop, soybeans, corn, whatever, uh, and to help him get reelected. And, and they, some similar situation with Turkey and Erdogan wanting some and was under indictment in the Southern District of New York, which is probably why one of the reasons, at least why, uh, Barr jumped in and, and, and tried to and did get rid of the, the, the attorney in the Southern District of New York who was a Republican uh, Berman uh, because that case is in the Southern District of New York and Trump wanted to get that case dismissed uh, because Erdogan wanted it dismissed well we didn't know about those instances we didn't know Trump had wanted the case dismissed we didn't know he asked the Chinese president to buy all these farm products up get elected But Bolton knew it, and if he'd have told us, we could have had those bases to bring impeachment charges. But he didn't tell us. And those are all cases parallel to and and, and similar to what happened in Ukraine with uh, the military aid conditioned on trying to find some dirt on Hunter Biden. So um, there's so many instances where this administration has has done wrong. They were wrong uh, in Ukraine, and Bolton has basically affirmed it, that there was a, a quid pro quo, that they... Military aid was totally conditioned on the investigations. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm fearful of what's going on in the country. And, and the judges who've been appointed, they're going to be there forever. Several of them were not recommended by the bar, not because of their philosophy, but because of their lack of, of uh, uh, experience or their, or their very, very uh, extremely of extreme opinions on issues, oftentimes relating to, 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 to human rights or race. And, uh, and, and, and those people are gonna be there forever. And the Republicans passed them all through. And uh, they're gonna affect a lot of decisions in the future. And if Trump gets the second term, he'll have the judiciary almost completely, because there'll be more and more vacancies coming up on courts of appeals and possibly on the Supreme Court. And then in my opinion, this this country is cooked for what it had been for for most of 244 years. Well, I guess not 244, the Declaration. We didn't start until about 1989 with with the Constitution. So you deduct 13 off of there at least.
0: Well, this is the July 4th edition of Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes here on WKXL and fm We're talking with Congressman Steve Cohen, a standout member of the Judiciary Committee in the U.S. House of Representatives, a former colleague, a good friend, and one smart and passionate defender of the Constitution. We'll take a very short break. I'll be right back with more of our discussion about what's really going on in Washington, D.C. Don't go away. Are back, it's off the record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where you can find our shows archived for your binge listening pleasure. Revisit some of our great shows, like the summit between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump, in which Donald Trump rode pigs all over the Kremlin. And uh, you can find us at a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We're talking with Representative Steve Cohen about the challenge to our democracy posed by a unitary executive and his henchman, Mr. Barr, the attorney general, against whom Steve Cohen has stood up, spoken out, and filed articles of impeachment. So, Congressman, um, a a brief two-part. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I appreciate. I did sponsor the resolution. I provided the the leadership to, to get it to the floor, but I had I now have 37 co sponsors, and they range from uh Joe Kennedy Jr. to uh, uh Danny Davis to Maxine Waters to uh Shelly Pingry, a, a lot of distinguished members, uh, four or five chairmen, uh, Richie Neal of Massachusetts, Nikki Velasquez, uh, John Yarmouth, all chairman. So we've got a, a, a good crew of people behind this, and there are more and more people joining. And I do want to ask you this. you this, you say this is the inside about Washington, and that's important, but I want to know about New Hampshire. New Hampshire is where everybody's, everybody wants to know about New Hampshire. Which of y'all guys knew about this G- Gis- Giseline Maxwell? Where was she hanging out in New, New Hampshire? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, uh,
0: it's re- interesting. In the news today, uh, we learned that um, she appears to have bought a very large, sumptuous, and lovely home in the uh, Lake Sunapee neighborhood of New Hampshire, at least that's the picture, although some people said it was she's living in Bradford. Of course, some people said she was living in Bedford. Now, uh, Seth Myers um, is from Bedford, New Hampshire, and he's very unhappy that anybody would think that she was caught in Bedford. And and there are some other famous comedians from New Hampshire who probably are also unhappy. Uh, Adam Sandler uh, is from Manchester, so he probably wouldn't be happy if she was caught in Bedford. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's just the way it works up here. But I've seen a picture of her house and people are posting on Facebook, well, it's probably going to be up for sale soon again. Um I never saw her, but I don't get her. You know, I don't get out, out that much anymore. I'm mostly, I'm mostly at home.
1: So let me ask you. Well, this. I, yeah. I, was she open and notorious and walking around the city, and people knew who she was? And the FBI found her, or was she trying to get there on the lam with a different name?
0: You know, in New Hampshire, we value our privacy. So uh, you know, we we've had a lot of uh, a lot of well-known and notorious criminals in New Hampshire. It, it's a good place. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, and I have promises to keep, and, you know, I can find a cabin in the woods, and nobody will know who anybody should. So, so I mean, you know, we're a land of poetry and uh, eccentric folks, and, and, you know, if she kept a low profile, um, who would know that, that, that she was wanted as, as Epstein's uh, enabler? Oh. As the person allegedly who set up and helped him procure sex with young people. But it's the kind of salacious thing that New Hampshire thrives on. But I have to oh, say, really? it's kind of the first time anybody heard that she was living up here. You know, it's not, not like the FBI uh, advertised, uh, uh, there were no, we didn't see wanted posters uh, put up in the grocery store. So she she could keep a low profile and swim in the lakes and uh, you know
1: and get along just fine. To show how everything is interrelated, there's six degrees of separation. Do you know, and and, and many of your listeners probably don't know, that Jeffrey Epstein, who had sex parties and had young underage women, uh, at Donald Trump at his house. Uh, and they were buddies at the time and posts and all that together, pictures together. And he came and has been a, 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 been anonymous complaints in court actions that Donald Trump had relations with underage women at Epstein's house. The first job that, or one of the first jobs that Epstein ever got was at a prep school in New York on the East Side, and the, the headmaster of that prep school. Was Bill Barr's father, and Bill Barr's father hired him as the math teacher. And then, of course, ironically, Bill Barr is the head of the Justice Department, which has the federal prison system underneath them, was responsible in the big chain of events for the negligence that allowed him to be able to commit suicide.
0: Oh, man. Listen, what a, I don't, what a, what, here's what I don't want to admit after what you've just said, that I think that prep school is called the Dalton School. It's a highly respected, yeah. high-end prep school um, in New York on the east side. and. I, I have to I'll confess, uh, I grew up in new york city i I knew the Dalton School, and I knew many people who went there i didn 't know about Epstein and Barr, though so I, I I swear off any knowledge deny i deny, I deny I had anything to do, but I did see on the interwebs a picture of Donald Trump cuddling up to Ms Maxwell uh, in a in a in a friendly friendly photograph so it's pretty clear that that whole group of people knew each other, but let me let me just ask you not to not to dwell on important um, important issues when we could be talking about Epstein, Barr and Trump and their cabal uh, for whatever it was, but of all the things that Barr has done wrong, is there one thing that really stands out to you? as the worst of the worst, the most egregious of the egregious, the nay plus ultra of bad stuff.
1: Well, he's done so many things and they're all bad. I think the way he handled it depends what happens in the SDNY. He gets rid of the, the lady that he appointed, I think her name is Strauss, the deputy who everybody has high respect for. If he gets rid of her, that will be the worst because he's got under in the SDNY, which has historically been kind of a separate independent office that can go against some of the most egregious cases of, 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 they're New York-based, they've got nexus to the jurisdiction, but they've gone after a lot of mafia guys and all the other cases. Uh, They've got within there Michael Cohen and allegations of paying off Stormy Daniels. President Trump, being individual one who was an unindicted uh, part of that investigation, and and, and on January twenty-one, if he's not elected, uh, he could easily be served with uh, a arrest warrant as individual one for the same thing Michael Cohen was sentenced. He pled to three years or was sentenced to three years for. So that case is there. Some things with the Trump uh, inauguration committee are there some things with this uh, Turkish banker there. Uh, There there might be some other things there. So that would be the worst. He hadn't done anything. I guess the worst thing in my mind is what he did at Lafayette Park. Uh, Going out there, ordering the the, the park uh, police and whoever to break up a First Amendment protest, a First Amendment rally with brute force. It made America look like a banana republic or, or something going on in Eastern Europe when the Soviets came and cracked down on the on the, the freedom of, of fighters in Czechoslovakia or Hungary or wherever. And it was just, I watched that on television and just, it, 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 it was just unbelievable that was happening in America and trampling and made us look like some type of a third world
2: force. I leave the first. So so let me paint a happy scenario for you for a second. Let's say, uh, you know, Joe Biden right now is in, in, and polling averages up about 10 points. And the race for the U.S. Senate is also looking promising for the Democratic Party. So let's say this administration uh, and the Senate leadership of Mitch McConnell come to an end in November, and in January um, you are part of uh, a government with a presidency in, in Democratic hands. So you have an opportunity with your position and your chairmanship to really lead the charge on trying to, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube here to some extent. What do you think can be done? Are there, are there laws, are there guardrails that you could put up again? I know that the very first order of business in this Congress was H.R. 1, which was an attempt to lay out some of these pro-democracy reforms. Do you see a way to try to uh, get the whole judicial branch of government back on track? Is there something that the Congress can do and that you can do?
1: Well, it's a separate branch of government. There's some things we can do and some things we can't. But I think we can uh, make transparency uh, a requirement in, in certain investigations. Particularly, we could you know, make it. Of course, the, the rules of evidence are such that we should be able to get grand jury testimony. When we're acting as a judicial body, and that's what the Court of Appeals said, and the Supreme Court should have let it happen because every court's let it happen in the past, but the Supreme Court granted certain they're going to have a hearing at some time after the election or a ruling after the election. So I'm not sure where we can go there. Uh, the judges, you can't change their their, their time in office. Uh, the, one of the main things I'd like to do is not to do with the judiciary, is getting the Voting Rights Act uh, renewed. Uh, we need to have a Voting Rights Act uh, that requires pre clearance conditions on changes in voting uh, activities, uh, particularly in the South, but there are other places in the country where there have been in, in infringements on people's right to vote. And voting is the is the, the cornerstone of democracy. Uh, you talk about the rule of law, but the rule of law is something we have, but it's all based on democracy and, and the vote of the people. And so we need a voting rights act. And that's one of the major things I think we can do as far as with the, the Justice Department, uh, I guess we could, I'm trying to think if we, the prison system, I don't, you can't, you might be able to find a way to mandate more compassionate release. Uh, you know, Trump did pass the, uh, a bill that had some uh, reform in sentencing, and we can have sentencing reform, and we should do that. The first step act is what he had. And of course, now he says he shouldn't have listened to Jerry Kushner. He shouldn't have done it after he bragged about it for a while. But we could pass better uh, laws because that wasn't the best law. We could have done better in having compassionate release and having people released from prison who've served X amount of their sentence and are X uh, certain age, over 70 or whatever. Uh, we've got people right now with COVID who, so after one person in particular from my district, served 20 years. Um, He's seventy years old. He's got COVID. Why not let him, He's been a model prisoner. In fact, one of his co-defendants was Alice Marie. Uh, Alice, I think Alice Marie Johnson, who President Trump has made a big deal about the fact that he pardoned her, and of course he pardoned her because uh, what's her name uh, it, it starts with a K? Kardashian, Kardashian, one of those Kardashian women, uh, lobbied, and he did it for her but she's out, and if this man's still in, and he's got coronavirus, he's 70 years old, and Alice Marie Johnson has asked that he be released, and Trump won't do it, so we could do some things on sentencing, uh, and, and prison reform, and sentencing reform, and that's some of what we can do, but as far as the Justice Department itself, uh, I've, got, I've got to do some more thinking. So,
0: Congressman, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to spend it with us on Off the Record. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation, uh, the kind of in-depth look at the thinking behind policy and the effect of policy and uh, how uh, important people uh, view the malfeasance of the administration. Um, Uh, that has undermined the very fabric of our democracy. And I am so grateful to you uh, for standing up and speaking out. If I was in Congress, I'd be the 38th sponsor of the impeachment resolution because I think that doing the right thing is the right thing to do. So congratulations and thank you.
1: Well, Paul, you would be. I know you would be, and you did the right thing. There was a man named Robert McAfee Brown. He died in about the turn of the century, and he was a theologian. He was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, I think he was from Massachusetts, but he was somewhere in your part of the world. And he said that you should always oppose evil. You should be effective at stopping evil. But even if you can't effectively stop evil, getting on the record can do things that you may not even envision that can help bring it into it. So that's kind of where I am in my philosophy and one of the reasons I brought the impeachment to have it be there and to have discussions like this today. And I appreciate you having me on so we can talk about far The American public needs to know what's going on with the Justice Department and with their officials. And by letting people hear this, it, 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 it's important for our democracy and it's important for the citizens to know just how far we've gone off track for what the Founding Fathers fought for uh, in terms of the rule of law and justice and impartial justice.
0: Folks, you've heard it here on Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson on WKXL, our conversation with Representative Steve Cohen about the articles of impeachment brought uh, concerning the malfeasance of Attorney General Barr. Uh, We will be back after a short break to wrap up, and we're going to bid congressman cohen farewell with a great thank you thanks so much Uh, don't go away we're back it's off the record with matt robeson and paul hodes on wkxl am and fm streamed live over the internet we just had a fascinating conversation uh, with Congressman Steve Cohen, a far ranging conversation about his articles of impeachment that went all the way to Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. Matt Robeson, what's your response? What's your reaction?
2: People should pay attention to this. It is so important and it's, I think, an underreported and under understood, if that's a word, Uh, aspect of the last few years in American government. It affects every single listener to this program. Uh, And uh, as we reflect on the 4th of July, um, I I think people would do well to reflect on the judicial system and the importance of impartial justice. So really important conversation. I I was very happy to be part of it.
0: This 4th of July, folks, let's all stand up to protect the rule of law. Voting in November can't come soon enough. It's Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes on WKXL. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to all the sponsors who keep this show on the air. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record.